Greetings, Sanibona Bolueni. I am your host, Nokanyo Lulundlovu, a counseling psychologist and an therapist. Welcome to another episode of the series From Our Heart to Yours. In our last episode, we addressed the question of how we fall in love. How do people fall in love? We introduced the concept of imago, which is a Latin word for image. And we said this refers to a picture, movie, or collage of pictures that are stored in one's brain about one's childhood. And we said it represents memories about what made one happy, joyful, alive, fulfilled, but also what caused sadness, pain, and disappointment. And then we went ahead to say Imago theory proposes that very important conscious and unconscious forces are at work to pair somebody up with someone with whom they will be perfectly and specifically incompatible. Someone who is similar enough to the best and worst of one's parents, someone who will trigger the childhood wounds so that one will have an opportunity for a reparative experience. And we went ahead to say the unconscious purpose of marriage is to finish childhood. Now that we have fallen in love, then what? So we now transition into the stages of relationships. Now, in Imago theory, we have got three stages. The romantic love stage, the power struggle, and of course, the conscious relationship. Now, today we're going to talk just about the romantic love stage. Now, romantic love can give us a taste of what it feels like to be fully alive, to be our most loved and loving selves. You know, when you encounter a person who matches your image, your body is flooded with chemicals that make you feel excited enough that you drop your, difference, your defenses and you experience that full aliveness. You know, you are actually really falling in love with your own aliveness, but you just think it is the other person. Now, this transient, now we say transient because it is almost like a drug-induced state. It is a positive emotion that is designed to bring these two incompatible people together for the purpose of bonding and making them willing to stay so that the mutual healing of both can take place. And again, we speak about not just healing, healing for one person, growth for the other person. Now, this first stage of an adult love relationship can last up to three years. And of course, it depends on various factors such as frequency of contact or rapidity of commitment. There's actually a science behind it. You know, Mother Nature is working hard to ensure that these two people stick together. During this relationship stage, where you feel like you're on cloud nine, you're floating, you're excited, you're feeling crazy. It's almost like you are, it's, it's a surreal experience where you are not grounded. There is a lot that is happening during this stage. There are some neurotransmitters and some of them that we call is dopamine and serotonin and adrenaline and they increase. And then these are what produce that telltale feeling of attraction dopamine is a feel-good neurotransmitter serotonin on the other hand is what brings you happiness and joy of course in addition to a lot of other important things and adrenaline is going to give you that energized euphoric feeling these are all designed to set your heart thumping and light a fire in your loins in fact someone has said the only difference between being in love and being high on track is that being in love is legal now, just like getting high, falling in love allows you to see your new partner through those beautiful rose-tinted glasses, only showing you what makes you feel good and filtering out all the bad stuff. Now, this love-induced haze is going to force you to only notice where you are similar and it's going to hide your partner's flaws. Now, the combination of these three 
potent, very potent neurotransmitters can cause you to be blind to certain things, such as faults that the person has. You're eager to learn about them. You can't get enough of them. You can't spend enough time with them. And you have all these passionate feelings that make dating so thrilling. There's anticipation. There's curiosity. There's nervousness. There's excitement. There's wonder. You know, every joke that they share is hilarious. And their flaws can sometimes be seen as, oh, this is just so cute. You know? This romantic love stage is what makes you say and do whatever is necessary to get along and please the other person. You want them to be hooked on to you. People have been promised the moon and stars by someone who owns just a small plot of land or someone who does not even own nothing. You find someone who can't even swim to save their own lives, promising that I'll cross any ocean to get whatever you want, you know. There is also that risk-taking and impulsive decision-making. And this, of course, will pose bigger problems later in the relationship. But in a romantic love stage, bring the dragon on and your partner is going to slay it for you. And some of the concept of romantic love, you know, we always say romantic love is actually based on illusion and reality. We only allow ourselves to see the positive traits of the other and we ourselves behave in ways that illustrate our positive characteristics. You know, the way we have always wanted to be seen by someone, we put our best foot forward. Our unconscious thinks that we have met someone who is going to meet all of our unmet needs from childhood. And we feel such aliveness, we drop our defenses and we briefly experience living in an undefended life. This is the best life as we know it. And so does our partner also behave. Now, what are some of the symptoms of romantic love? Now, it includes a delightfully positive attitude. There is increased energy. There is a decreased need for sleep, increased libido, and loss of appetite. I mean, you will remember that when you fell in love, you hardly ate. You just can't even eat. Food loses its taste. I mean, there is no need to eat, to, to sleep. You just are crazily walking around, floating. You are on the phone hours on end. There is just that decreased need for even sleeping and eating. And there is also the sense of recognition, timelessness, reunification, necessity. You actually believe that you have met your soulmate and this perfectly incompatible person, of course you don't know it at the time, is going to spend the rest of their life serving just you. Remember, the drugs are causing through your body and libido can be very, very high. This is a I love him, I love a stage where you cannot quite articulate exactly why. But you just know that you do and you cannot live or exist without this person. Now what we do is we project that image onto the partner. We see our beloved as having a multitude of wonderful traits even when they don't. We also provoke the partner to be like that image. We want to see them as magnificent and caring and thoughtful and sexy and, and, and. They, they, they've got all of that and some more. And some of the characteristics and language of romantic love are familiarity. There's just something so familiar about this person. I mean, you feel as though you have met them before. There's also that sense of timelessness, you know, where it feels like you have known this person forever, even though you have just met, actually. Also, there's completion. We've heard people saying, you fill me up, you complete me. You're my other half. No, 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 no. You're actually my better half. And then there's that sense of necessity. I don't know what I'll do if I ever lost you. Surely I would not survive. 
What about some of the psychological characteristics of this romantic love stage? There's that sense of omniscience. You know what I need without my having to tell you. You know, to the degree that you actually see the other person as a symbiotic extension of ourselves. We feel the same. We need the same. We are the same. This person knows my needs. There's also that omnipotence, you, you know. This person is seen as having the power to meet all of your needs and to make you fulfilled and content. We actually believe during this stage that our partner has power over our inner state. I mean, they know just what we need. You don't even have to tell them. They just can guess it. One look and they know exactly what you need. We expect them to do whatever it takes to make us feel good. And it is during this romantic stage that actually you're going to find that the partner is also doing whatever you want and it comes easily. They don't even have to try. Similarly to us, we just do whatever. We are at their beck and call. We can. We just want that smile to always be there. We want that kiss. We want that positive reinforcement. As a result, we show up in every way that is possible. Omnipresence. Believing that this person exists just for you. The, the, the person has got no other separate existence. You know, we are exclusive. You know, I'm the one and only. No one else matters. We expect our partner to be so preoccupied with just us. Nothing else exists. Those are some of the characteristics of this romantic love stage. Entitlement. I'm entitled to be happy. And it is your responsibility to see that I do. You know, the partner is not just seen as a person in their own right, at the center of their own movie. We see them as just a support player in our movie. Our movie is the most important one here. There's also a sense of obligation. You owe it to me to meet all of my needs because you exist just for me and therefore you are obliged to meet all of my needs. Expectation. And the partner will promise you, I'll do whatever. I'll show up. I'll be there. You can count on me. You know, before you even call, I'll be there. And it is during this romantic love stage that we experience the blissful oneness and a sense of fulfillment and therefore, the president has said that this person is going to be here to meet all of my needs, including those that were not met during my childhood. Fusion, we want the same things. I know what you want and need better than you. My experience is your experience. So what you say in Imako is that what we do is we pick, project, and provoke. We have got three ways of recreating that childhood scenario so that we have the necessary circumstances for growth and healing. We pick a partner who matches the Imako. In romantic love, we see only the positives or we will underplay the negative, seeing those traits as being cute or endearing or even convince ourselves that, oh, they'll change or it will be different with me. Even their faults and mistakes are seen as quite cute as endearing. We actually are quite taken up by everything that this person does or this person is. And then we project the image onto the partner. We see our beloved as having a multitude of these wonderful traits even when they don't. And of course, we then provoke the partner to be like the Imako. And then they show up because they are so smitten with us also. We see them as magnificent, caring, thoughtful, sexy. And they often rise to be exactly that. In Imako, we believe that the purpose of romantic love, therefore, is to get two people together, glue these two people together, so that and, and they are glued with someone who's going to trigger their worst childhood pain in order for the person to heal and recover that state of joyfulness that they had to recover their wholeness. 
in summing up our episode today, I found these two beautiful verses that are so intriguing. And I believe that they are such a beautiful portrayal of what it is that we experience in romantic love. Both verses are from the book of Song of Solomon and it's, verse, it's chapter 8, verse 6 and 7. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death, is jealousy as enduring as the grave. Love flashes like fire, the brightest kind of flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can rivers drown it. If a man tried to buy love with all his wealth, his offer would be utterly scorned. Thank you for taking time to listen to this episode. I wish you love, safety, and connection in your relationship. And I'll talk to you soon.